This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. Put your motherfucking hands up. Now, like, I know that we um, can get bummed out about contemporary Kanye, and I know that Kanye, in a very Kanye way, addressed the the old Kanye narrative, and like, well done to him for doing it in an you know engaging way. But that first album had some really great beats on it, Shaq. And sometimes I get the Kanye nostalgia for the guy who had big 808 drums and took some soul samples and made them sound chipmunky because just some of those beats were really, really good. <laughs> and it does sometimes bum me out that the person who made them isn't now making similar things. I actually wanted to talk about this in a roundabout way. So mm. let me let me take the lead from there. So mm. do, I don't talk about my job that much on this podcast. I'm not mm. a, you know influencer in my field in the same way that you are but <laughs> do we not talk about my job that much oh no 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 no, no, no. i don't mean it, but but also it's like mm. like it's really interesting hearing a legal perspective on horror films it's often not that yes. interesting to hear a creative director's perspective on them really uh there aren't too many like advertising themed or marketing themed horror films. like the marketing's interesting but but yeah anyway anyway but what I think is interesting is mm. as both of us have gotten to a sort of veteran stage in our careers, mm-hmm. often we find ourselves mentoring younger people in our field. Hugely. Now, I work in a industry where it's about coming up with ideas. And mm. one of the things I often say to the really sort of new students, interns, that sort of things, is to not hold on to the old ideas to not hold on to the old references to not be yeah okay to, to, yeah, to yeah. not be connected to the references that have been around forever i all, i often use the example of people making a joke about amish people in 2021 it's like when like the only time you've ever heard about the amish is uh, and i don't even know if i'm pronouncing that correctly but the only time you've heard about them is through references in other jokes right and all you're doing is Q-T continuing these references and i think it's it's the same thing for popular culture sort of sort of different but kind of similar Mm. in that Mm. i I often think that can i give you a bit of a news flash that might like that might assist shag all those years ago when we were opening resh's long necks a lot like this one i thought i'd just have a little throwback kanye 2003 style if you join me for a sec I cannot think of a person who it's less likely that I thought we'd want beef with than Dwayne Johnson. But the time has come to say, The Rock, you suck. 
Um, Shag, Paige, uh, Paige, what? The Rock? Yeah, You're starting beef yeah. with The Rock. I, I, I think the time has come. The time has come, Shag. This is growing up. Now that I think The Rock stinks. Have you heard him rap on this new oh. awful, awful song that he sucks on? It's funny because you know how, and this is a true thing. This is a true thing. Mm. I, I don't know why, but you know how mm. by just looking at American people, you're like, I know you're American. You know how that like that happens? Yes. It's like it doesn't like obviously America is a melting pot the same way Australia is, the same way a lot of mm. essentially English colonies that have outgrown being colonies look mm. like in 2021. And I mean, you can just tell an American when they're in Australia. It's just so clear. They're wearing Under Armour clothing. <laughs> they are wearing a lot of Under Armour. very loudly. <laughs> but the other thing, the other, the other, mm. the other thing that I think you can tell is when it's like it's your first time rapping, and your idea of rapping is writing down your verse very neatly, sort yep. of practicing it in your head at home, getting to the mic and being like, "Oh, is it time for me to rap?" and rapping it, and everyone around you being like, "Well done, The Rock." You can tell that was the experience, and he doesn't have a background of like developing that skill in a natural, organic way. Imagine if you came into whatever it's called, the Iron Cathedral, and were like, Rock, I'm just going to do some bench press. <laughs> I'm just going to come in and give it a crack. <laughs> I'm celebrated podcaster, Shag. I'm just going knock to out, knock out some bench press over here. And, like, The Rock would be like, that you know, that's not how it's done. That is precisely how anyone who's ever heard a rap song surely feels. Bitch, I want to know, know what your critique of The Rock's rap was. I think it is a great rap. Let me just call up the lyrics on Genius, which I should have been prepared for. Um, oh, yeah. Like, firstly, it's on a Tech 9 song, right? So, <laughs> like, that's really, really grim because Tech 9's this really technical rapper. Like, who sucks? And that's fine. <laughs> um, so, like, some... Someone else wrote this for The Rock, firstly, right? And 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 that's fine. Other other people write things for other people all the time. But it's just the really grim, grim delivery. And Shag, I give it zero out of ten if you want to edit in The Rock's verse, which is the fourth verse. <laughs> all right, okay. Well, let's listen to a little bit of it now. Yeah, here you go. It's about drive, it's about power We stay hungry, we devour Put in the work, put in the hours And take what's ours Like in some more in my veins My culture banging with strange I change the game So what's my motherfucking name? What they gonna get though? Desecration, defamation If you wanna bring it to the masses Face to face, now we escalating When I have to but boost the asses Mean on ya, like a dream When I'm rumbling, you're gonna scream mama So bring drama to the king Brahma Then it to an extreme mana You, you just have to give it a bit of a review so we can legally do this. Okay. Um, this is one of the worst verses I've ever heard before, <laughs> wrapped by one of the surely nicest men to have, have ever lived. So the um, distinction, the sort of extremity of taking a very nice man who I think is a positive influence, generally speaking, and putting him in front of a microphone with beats in his ears is just mad. Um, it is a grim time we live in where artworks like this exist. It breaks my sweet little heart, Gilly. It sucks. Dwayne Johnson, you suck as a rapper. You know, this is a horror movie exposure therapy podcast and we'll get there and I I'm, I'm promise I'm getting there. Let's stay with music at the moment. Specifically, let's stay with you mentioning you enjoying Kanye's old stuff and you wish he sort of still sounded like that. I think there's a tendency in popular culture to hang on to 
the classics for too long and not updating the classics. Yes. Like, I mean, this is... Uh, like, I'm not going to be one of those idiots that's like, oh, the Beatles aren't that great. Like, I get that the Beatles change music and stuff. Like, I'm not going to be that dude. But it's like, I don't think we should still be talking about them now. Like, I really don't. And then if you think about The Simpsons, like, how everyone's like, yeah, I love The Simpsons from 1994 to 1998. And it's like, I'm pretty sure they've done like 30 other seasons than the ones you say you love. But also you show The Simpsons to Gen Z now and it's like what watching fucking Mr. Ed or I Love Lucy was to us. It's like, this has no relevance to us. Like, who are these people? What is this culture they're existing in? It's the same thing. Like, we need to we need to start updating the classics. We need to start updating the canon. And that doesn't mean we throw these things out. They're still classics. Mm. But we also have to upset. Like, I'm, like, I'm not putting them in the same league, but Blink-182 are super important from, and- from like out of nowhere as well like remember Eminem's that like 1995 song oh. about you know I'm gonna get in my car and drive to Madagascar and you're like oh what a sweet little Southern Californian punk band and it turns out they're one of the most influential pop bands in the history of music and, and you know like people and, but, being important like and, did you- <laughs> but, but, but they are they are you know people know. still talking about Black Sabbath it's like system of a down or even Slipknot. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, what's so funny is I get the cringe of doing that, but we need to update the classics, I guess is my point. And it's really important to do this with horror as well because we've just gone through two weeks of talking about the Halloween franchise, a franchise that started in 1978. Out of 12 films, has maybe four good ones over over 40 years of filmmaking. And it's crazy that when people talk about horror classics, it's still centred on that, you know, late 70s, early 80s region when there have been so many new franchises started in the last sort of 10 years that have taken the world by storm and yet we don't talk about them in the same breath that we talk about the John Carpenter films or the Stephen King films. And I'd like to rectify that today. Let's do it, Shag. I'm excited. So, look, there's a number of films that I want to get to in terms of expanding the franchises. If I look at the data of this show, the number one episode, and it's always the number one episode. (laughs) (laughs) No, but the number one episode that still gets listened every week is the Paranormal Activity episode you know that is a franchise that started in the last what 10 15 years that that has become a contemporary classic the conjuring universe is huge like all horror universes the quality dips but it's still you know a very powerful universe there's the sinister universe there's the saw universe and today i want to talk about a potentially new universe because it just has a sequel and i had no idea how it was going to have a sequel but it has a sequel so today we're doing a horror thriller from 2014 called Don't Breathe. Your lips look sore. That's how you're making your cash out there? <laughs> what do you say you and I move away from mom together? It's a promise. You're leaving? Yeah, as soon as I have the money. When are you coming back? Never. Yo, I got our ticket out of here. Rumor is this guy is sitting on at least 300K. That's her guy. Wait, is he blind? messed up to rob a blind guy, isn't it? Just because he's blind don't mean he's insane, bro. Who's there? How many of you are there? It's just me, man, all right? Just let me go, please. Okay, I swear to God. 
gonna see what I see. Look again, it's a long trailer. Shaggy, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, as we've said before, trailers do seem to be the height of uh, cultural creativity at the moment. But but I could have dealt with less. I could have dealt with a bit more mystery. I could have dealt with a bit less of what would appear to be the entire plot being revealed in the preview. But you know, looks cool. Looks interesting. Looks fun. I think the coolest thing about Don't Breathe is you definitely don't know what's going to happen here, which is really cool. Okay, sick. Yep, yep which yep, is super cool. Sick. Like the. The premise is absolutely a bunch of robbers get stuck in a house with a blind guy who's actually really good at killing people. Great. Great premise. Super cool. That is the film in a tweet. There's a lot more to it that you're going to discover. Some of it's pretty unsettling. I, I, I do want to give like a little bit of a warning here. Not super unsettling, but uh, well, actually, yeah. Actually, no, I'm just going to say it is pretty unsettling and it's going to feel a little bit weird to talk about. Before I say that, though, is I just want to give... The Rock or anything we've covered already <laughs> it's today? It's mainly, it's mainly about The Rock. No, I just want to, I want to give a quick clarification our podcast in many ways is parasitic mm. in the sense that we rely on Wikipedia to live. You know, yes. we, we, are the, we are the leech that sits on Wikipedia mm. spewing out blood pustules of episodes every week Yes, I, as we I, suck I, out the synopsises that we're reading, right? I, I, embrace, I embrace this metaphor. <laughs> I, 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 that, is, that is what we are. So... Wikipedia has an army of unpaid, faceless writers all over the world who are constantly updating things. If only they had an army of UX designers who were constantly creating the best experience. So I would have realized that I'm talking about Don't Breathe, the 2016 film, instead of calling it Don't Breathe, the 2014 film, which was in fact a French documentary about garbage tips. So yes, this is this film is actually from 2016, not 2014. Sorry if there was any confusion. I am absolutely talking about the horror film directed by Fede Alvarez, who who is interestingly enough a horror film director. Uh, this film followed his 2013 remake of Evil Dead. Now I want to do a little bit of a side tangent right now. Yep. So I want to talk about season three of UK Ted Drag Lasso. Race. It's going to be great. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Can't be wait really for season three of Ted Lasso. I am excited. I am excited. But season three of UK Drag Race, you know, RuPaul's long-running reality TV show, arguably there are too many drag races now. There's UK, there's Australian, there's Canadian. And as soon as one ends, another one begins. And it gets to the point where it's like, maybe I've had a bit too much drag race. It'd be like if, you know, to use a metaphor you'd understand, Paige, it'd be like if there was a cricket season. And as soon as that cricket season ends, they had like the night cricket season and as soon as that ended it was like they had the kids cricket season as soon as that ended cricket started all over again you get a bit over cricket the most special bit about cricket is cricket not being on for huge swathes of time <laughs> <laughs> so anyway there's there's currently there's a contestant in Drag Race UK season 3 called mm. Charity Case and her whole thing Great like her name, name. Great. Great name, right? Mm. But her whole thing is she's the crazy one. Mm. So when everybody dresses up in like beautiful ball gowns, she dresses up as like a scary evil clown. Like, and she's like, can you deal with it? Right. And every week the judges are just kind of like, yeah, you know, that's cool. But you kind of didn't follow the brief. 
And every week she's like, yeah, I meant to, but yeah, I'm sorry for not following the brief. What I'm and, too creative. I have too much creativity. <laughs> but, but here's my point, right? Mm. So either you're going to be the pariah, either you're going to be the vanguard, either you're going to be the person that stands out and accepts it and goes, yeah, if I get kicked off for not following the brief, I chose to not follow the brief. Completely agree. Or you're going to pay attention to what people say, yep. right? You can't be both. You can't 100%. care. Do you know what I mean? And Absolutely. This, this, is why, this is why Charity Case, spoiler alert, I don't think is going to win UK Drag Race Season 3. <laughs> so, so can we clarify that spoiler alert? The spoiler alert is <laughs> of your suspicion. <laughs> but so sorry. So if people were like, do not tell me whether Shag thinks charity case. <laughs> They're like, oh for fuck's sake. So so to me, if you're gonna take that approach, you have to be overwhelmingly high quality. Like if you're gonna mm. reject the brief. Every single time you must be like absurdly high quality in what you do. And, and you, you also have to have the conviction to be like, I know what I want to do. And the reason I say that is because I think what's funny about this film is this specifically came from him being criticized for his Evil Dead remake. This film specifically came from people being like, it was too bloody. You were trying to shock people. I know and, he's like, I can make a film with no blood. But this is like the literally, he was like, he wanted to, in response, this is this is this is verbatim from the Wikipedia. Oh, in no. response, Alvarez decided to make Don't Breathe an original story that contained less blood and focused more on suspense over shocking audiences. Now, he succeeded, but I think it's funny that he was essentially bullied into making this film. I just think that's such a grim way to live life as well. Like, oh, you didn't like you should do it a different way. It's like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Which way would you like me to do this? <laughs> it's like you're just sitting there waiting for instructions to be like, oh, yeah, 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 cool, cool, cool. With yeah, that in mind, a, though, there's a do you like me now element of like, was this a, like, have I done it good now? With that in mind, I really like this film. Yeah, okay. So let's do this. This is called Don't Breathe. It's the start of a new horror franchise because Don't Breathe 2 out this year. Again, we'll get to the end of this. You're going to be like, how the fuck do they make a sequel to this? But there's been harder films to make sequels out of and they've done it in horror. So if there's any genre where that can happen, it's this one. Anyway. They've set it in the eight mile universe, judging by the sets as well, which is exciting. Well, it's set in Detroit. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, we are in the eight mile universe. So let's start with, okay. So Rocky, Alex and Money. Uh, Keep in mind, Rocky is a woman. That's pretty important. Um, Rocky, Alex, and Money are three Detroit delinquents who make a living by breaking into houses and stealing valuables. Rocky longs to move to California with her younger sister, Diddy, and escape from their abusive mother and her alcoholic boyfriend. So they're sort of like late teens, early 20s. It's that classic horror startup where... Whisper they're petty crims yep. and there's a glimmer of hope, but they're also petty crims. So they're, you know, in, in another film, they'd be the bad guys. Yep. To the trio's frustration, their fence. Now 
you know, for those that don't know, I don't really know outside of films. And again, this is this would be one of those things where I'd be like, now guys, don't make an ad or an idea about fences if you've never actually been to a fence because your only knowledge of fences is watching films where people go to fences. But anyway, the place, the places that buy stolen goods, their fence keeps undervaluing the items they bring, so they're not making enough money. But then one of the money like that, like that's that's amazing to be like the margins on our stolen goods are too low. But but you know what? I reckon going to a fence would be a really good lesson in how the economy is kind of all made up and money doesn't really exist. And realising that value isn't anything set in stone, mm. especially for, you know, mass-produced goods that you've probably... St- or, you know, like... like uh, like I, I love a couple of episodes ago realising the jewellery doesn't... Re- like, the value no is value. so almost meaningless. It's so annoying. <laughs> Especially buying it, because if you buy it as a gift, you're like, oh, Peach, this is pretty expensive. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, how expensive? Like, it's... Don't you worry. It's very, very valuable. <laughs> okay, good. I found out recently that the Queen of England has a diamond. It's called something awful, like... Like the African heart, oh, like the, the heart, heart of Africa. Africa. <laughs> it's a giant diamond. It's apparently valued at four hundred million dollars, but of course that means nothing because oh, that yeah. value only exists if there's any market for it to ever be sold in any way. It is. It is bizarre. Like if we were to steal diamonds, like tomorrow, or if I was to give you a bag of diamonds, like to me, just or like a briefcase full of cash. To me, it would just fill me with anxiety. Like it would just be like, oh, for fuck, like. What on earth am I going to do with this? Adele will vouch for this. If mm. you gave me, if I was your fence, or if I was, if you were like, yeah. Chag, all of our trains have come in, or whatever that metaphor is. Yep. Here's this bag of diamond. I would be like sick. I would put them into my bedside drawer and I would not yep. think about them for like days. <laughs> I would just forget they were there. There would be a bag of diamonds in my bedside drawer. Because what the fuck would I do with them? Well, you wouldn't just assume. You're like, they're probably pretty valuable. I'm going to put them in here. It's going to yeah. be good. Maybe I'd go onto like Facebook Marketplace and be like, bag of diamonds. <laughs> It'd be this bag of like $400 million diamonds and get offers being like 50 bucks, but I'll come today. Yeah, like being haggled from trying to sell stuff online is so heartbreaking because I just do not have the heart for it. Of like the ones I love, like I had one who I was trying to sell an old car to, who like agreed on a price online and just showed up with less money. It was like mm, I didn't bring that much. <laughs> <laughs> you still want to do it? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. It's just nowhere for us. It's like, it's like, well, I just, you know, I don't know if agree on that much, but I don't have it. Okay. <laughs> this is a really effective tactic. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. So Money, one of the trio, receives a tip from their fence that a Gulf War veteran named Norman Nordstrom has $300,000 in cash in his house in an abandoned Detroit neighborhood. The cash was reportedly a settlement after a wealthy young woman, Cindy Roberts, killed Norman's daughter in a car accident. What? So, so the three... She got paid to- in cash, though, the wealthy woman. Well, I imagine... No, no, I imagine it came into, like... He just withdrew it all and now keeps it at his home because he doesn't trust banks, banks or the government or whatever. I think that there is like, you know, when my grandma on my father's side passed away, Mm. they found like big stashes of money in her house because it's like 
They came from Because she was suffering from dementia. I, like, I understand that. But no, she wasn't. She was totally with it. It's just like, it's it's a generation where it's like banks. It's like, mm, maybe it's safer to keep it, you know, in my floorboards or whatever. But I do feel like, like if you've lost faith in banks, then why do you have faith in like the promissory note, the cash economy? Like if banks aren't worth anything, you're like, banks aren't worth anything, but... Cash will still be worth heaps if banks fall apart. I mean, we know that humans aren't rational, but yes, lol, that is super, super true. All right, okay, so the three spy on the house and Mm. they quickly realise that Nordstrom is blind and they're like, well, this is going to be the easiest fucking thing ever. Now, keep in mind, I watched... I've seen this film... Uh, a couple of years ago, I rewatched a, like a crucial scene towards the end to be like, did that still happen? Is that how it looked? At? And it's like, yeah, that still happened. So Ugh. there's a lot of build up. There's a lot of what you think the movie's going to be at the start. So at night, the gang approached the house. Now Nordstrom has a Rottweiler dog that's kind of his like eyes and ears and his protection. And they break in. They put a sleeping gas bottle in Nordstrom's bedroom which i think is to like knock him out and they also drug the dog as well to knock it out so they're like we'll take care of all the contingencies we don't want to like you know we're not like violent robbers we just want to get in there we just want to steal the money and they get out yep they see a locked basement door money assumes the loot is hidden in there and shoots the lock the noise wakes up nordstrom who overpowers money takes the gun and kills him while Rocky silently watches. Now, remember, because he can't see, Nordstrom kills the one intruder that he thinks is in there. And also, at this point, we realize that, you know, we were told he's a Gulf War veteran, but he's actually also Sarah Connor from a couple of... You know, like, yeah. <laughs> everyone's Sarah Connor, but, like, he's fucking, like, he's an amazing, like... He's he's a Green Beret or whatever they're called. Who, yeah, who lives on the set of the Eminem biopic. Yes, yeah. I understand. Yeah, this is basically 8 Mile Yep. tied with Terminator 2. All right, so... <laughs> Rocky witnesses Nordstrom open a hidden safe to check his valuables. And she's like, oh, okay, that's where they are. After he leaves, she opens the safe and takes the cash. However, Nordstrom finds Rocky and Alex's shoes and realizes there are more intruders. Okay, so it's really interesting. Obviously, they took off their shoes before they went in because they wanted to be silent. And then he returns and he finds the safe empty and then he gets pissed. Rocky and Alex evade Nordstrom and enter the basement. So, yeah, okay, all right, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> like, I'm excited. Like when, like whenever you like you get in that mood, I'm like, okay, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. There, they find a restrained and gagged pregnant woman who reveals herself to be Cindy Roberts. If you remember, is the woman his daughter? No, no, is the woman that was involved in the car crash that killed his daughter. Uh... Rocky and Alex free her and attempt to open the storm cellar door. Nordstrom shoots at them, accidentally killing Cindy. (sighs) Which, like, all of this is very bleak. Nordstrom breaks down and cries in distress over her body. He then shuts off the lights, plunging the basement into darkness. After a blind chase and struggle, Alex knocks out Nordstrom and they flee upstairs. After blocking the basement door, they encounter the dog who has awakened and flee into the bedroom. Rocky escapes the room through a ventilation duct. You can imagine how thrilling this is. It's actually incredibly well done. Yeah, it feels, feels tense. Yeah. Alex falls out of a window onto a skylight and is knocked out. When Alex awakens, Nordstrom shoots out the skylight and corners him in the utility room, stabbing him with a pair of garden shears. The dog pursues Rocky through the vents before she is captured by Nordstrom. 
Rocky wakes up restrained in the basement. Now, let, let me set the scene of what this basement looks like. It's pretty well lit. It's it's almost like an old school asylum room where the, the walls and the ceiling are all covered with like cut up mattresses to, to, to I guess, create a makeshift soundproof room. There's all these ferns and things around, I guess, to give it, you know, like oxygen or whatever. And it just, it's this really strange place that feels completely out of place considering the eight mile esque house and the street above. Uh, right? Okay. Yeah. So Nordstrom reveals that Cindy was pregnant with a replacement for his daughter. Uh, and he then there's this there's this little speech he has, and I just want to do a side note. There's this theory, and you I think you told me this theory that the Joker in Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight mm. used to be a soldier. And everything he saw over, you know, wherever he was disillusioned him so much that he wants to come back and just totally just like break society down. I didn't tell you that, but that's interesting though. It's an, it's an interesting theory, right? Mm. And there's a moment where Rocky is restrained in like, a, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty awful. Like restrained <laughs> to the ceiling. Mm. Um, he explains that he wanted to, uh, that, that he had Cindy pregnant and he's like, I'm going to have to, you're going to have to give me a replacement now. And he's like, I was going to let Cindy go. And he's also like, I never force myself on her. The plan was what? she would give me a replacement and I would let her go. And then meanwhile, Rocky's just praying to God. And at this point he gives his speech where he's like, there's no God. How could there be a God if he lets this happen? And what I think so cool about that line <sighs> is that you don't know whether he's talking about him losing his daughter and, you know, everything and his life going to shit, or he's talking about what he's doing right now. And he's being like, how could there be a God if I'm allowed to do this? Anyway, he grabs a pair of scissors and cuts off her clothing and then he gets a turkey baster and he prepares, like he prepares to artificially inseminate Rocky, promising to let her go after she gives him a child. Alex, who survived by tricking Norbson into stabbing Money's corpse, saves Rocky and handcuffs Nordstrom. I can't remember what happened there, but clearly... That's pretty funny. They get out. They get out, right? Rocky and Alex try to leave through the front door. Nordstrom breaks free and shoots Alex dead. Rocky flees out the house, and she runs out the house, and she's like, you can't get me. Like, you, you are powerless out here. And he's like, you're right. And then you see the dog shoot out the door and run up the street towards her. Oh, God. So she runs to their car, manages to trap the dog in her car trunk, but gets captured again by Nordstrom. After being dragged back inside his house, Rocky disorientates him by setting off the alarm system, then hits him repeatedly in the head with a crowbar and pushes him into the basement. The gun fires into his side as he falls. Believing him dead, Rocky escapes before the police arrive. Later, Rocky and Diddy see a news report about the incident. Nordstrom, who was recovering in a hospital and under stable condition, is reported to have killed two intruders, Alex and Money, in self-defense. He does not mention Rocky, Cindy, or the stolen cash. Rocky and Diddy board a train to Los Angeles. And that's the end. Yeah, okay. I, 
I guess he's left alive, isn't he? Like Nordstrom's left alive to hunt them down in Los Angeles. But it's going to be hard for him to, like, you know, obviously his house and his scary basement is where he's the monster. But outside of yeah. that, and, you know, they, they can exist in the entire world. And it's, he it's kind of going to be a like, bit of yes, a. Yes, I have no agency out there. And it's kind of going to be a bit of a Home Alone too, where it's like, how do we get him lost? Yep. How do we get the family to forget him again? It's like, how do you how do how do you make that happen? And they're going to have to do that for Don't Breathe Two, but I'm keen to see how they do it, and for Don't <laughs> Breathe Three, and for Don't Breathe Resurrection, and Don't Breathe Annihilation, and Don't Breathe Panic Station, or whatever. Then don't breathe. Don't breathe. H two O. Like, what sort of like bullying feedback would you give this director to try to make the sequel super weird? Like, would you be like, oh, it's not supernatural enough, or like, it's not new metal enough, or like, <laughs> to try to get to take him in a really weird kind of direction? Like, I think the problem is it was it had really good approval. So this director's not going to know where to go next. That's probably why Don't Breathe oh, 2, that's no. probably why it's going to be a franchise because he's lived his life based on give me <laughs> criticism and I'll know exactly where to go. When everyone loves it, he's like, oh, I guess I'll just do the second. Well, imagine being married to him or his mate like on the day reviews and stuff started coming out. <laughs> like he'd read one and then we'd be like, I can't read any more of these. Shit, <laughs> <laughs> Like, I know we talk about male fragility a lot on this podcast, but, like, holy shit. Someone was really mean about my previous film, and I just need to make sure that they can't be mean to me again by changing everything I was going to do in my next film. (laughs) Uh, This was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe, and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up? Yo, King Brahma, what's poppin', bro? Tech Nine here. Uso, my brother, Tech Nine. You know, I've been thinking about something. I think we give the people more. Yes, we do. I think you're right, bro. I know you know. We've talked about this. Let's give the people more. We gotta give the people more. Let's go. Oh, they're gonna fuck shit up.